Hey everyone, before we begin today's show, we just wanted to remind you that Dr. Ben's new book, Designed to Heal, is out and available for purchase. To book Dr. Ben for speaking engagements or to purchase the book, visit drbenrall.com. That's D-R-B-E-N-R-A-L-L.com. Now, Designed to Heal. I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. Well, hello everybody and welcome to today's episode of Designed to Heal. Very excited about uh, today's guest. I know that this will be, not only will this be an important episode, but I just think it'll you will appreciate um, the perspective of our guest and um, just his heart for people and caring for people, especially uh, mamas and, and babies in that season of life. And so our guest today, I, I actually um, became familiar with him. I was listening to another podcast of um, Radically Genuine with, uh, Do- with Dr. McPhillin and uh, really appreciated, I think I forwarded the, the episode that you did to just countless number of people because you were talking about a con- uh, some of the topic was about SSRIs and the risks during pregnancies. And I see this so often in my practice, even though as a, as a holistic doctor, chiropractor, I still see, I see a lot of pregnant moms. I see a lot of post delivery moms and, you know, they're struggling with these things in PPD. So this was really topical to me and being a parent myself. So our guest today is Dr. Adam Urado, and I'll get read a little bit of his bio, but we're going to dive into some awesome stuff. So he's a maternal fetal medicine uh, physician in his hometown of Framingham, Massachusetts. I I always remember that because I always know what the Framingham study they talk about, right, with uh, sure, cholesterol right. drugs. But uh, he grew up there. He attended Harvard and then Harvard Med School. He did his OBGYN residency at Mass General uh, and Birmingham Women's Hospital. His maternal fetal medicine fellowship was at Tufts Medical Center. He's an active clinical practice taking care of high-risk pregnancies and delivering babies, which has uh, got to be an awesome deal. I got to catch my I got to catch my son. We had a home birth with my son, so that was fun. Oh, that's and, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> and uh, he writes Great. and he, he lectures. So, so, Doc, welcome to the show. Thank you for agreeing to be on. Um, in some ways, I think you're a bit of a unicorn, and I mean that as a compliment. Just you're a breath of fresh air and a, often a, a, a model of care that people don't often get to have, uh, you know, dissenting opinions or thoughtful opinions. So um, thanks for coming to the show. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more background and, and then we'll dive in? Sure. I, I really appreciate your having me on and, uh, and helping to get the word out about yeah. some of these things. Um, yeah. So basically I'm a, I'm a, a, a local hometown boy, a local hometown doctor. Uh, I grew up in, I was born at the hospital here that I still uh, work in. And uh, I grew up in this community and uh, in, in, a, in, in, in work and live here. And, um, and I take care of mostly high risk pregnant women here in this community, but sort of I'll see all comers mm-hmm. as well. And um 
I'm interested in, uh, in, in, in the issue um, about medication exposure and medication effects in pregnancy, um, all sorts of medications that we see. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, of pharmaceutical use in our society, particularly in the United States, but around the world, a lot of medical, medical yeah. use, drug use in, uh, in, in pregnancy. And so I have an interest in that area. I write about it. I lecture on it. And um, yeah, and I, I'm an active clinician. So I take care of moms and babies all day, every yeah. day. I, Sometimes seven days a week. That, that's what I. That's what I do. You knew what you were um, getting into. You knew what you were getting into. <laughs> that's right. No, I, I. And I do. I do love it. I do love it. I'm caring for my community, and um, I think part of that care, though, is uh, to try to uh, inform patients and the public on uh, on important things. Um, and so uh, that's sort of my my goal uh, in this area is to is to get the word out on some of this. So, Doc, I have to ask you. I was going through some of your. Um, you know, just some of your, your body work and things you share and post and educate on. And I was like, okay, there has to be a backstory there. There ha you're, I mean, you're not the typical, maybe you are more, there's more of you maybe than I know, but not as many that will share it and will speak out. Cause they're probably afraid of the backlash. Of course, we just went through these, you know, these COVID years and that brought a lot of things to light, but was there something, have you always been a kind of a, a guy that that that's not afraid to ask tough questions or are you a, are you a you're not you, you seem like such I've never met you in person but you seem like just a happy guy and a, a you know <laughs> like you, you know you're not you don't seem like you're out to cause trouble or to fight people all day long um have you been well received by your community are you a black sheep did you what happened what why are you the way you are <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I mean that in all the best ways. I, I love, I love, I love the question. I love the question. Like I'm a maverick, right? Okay. Well, kind of. No, no, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I trained standard fashion. I went to Harvard College. I went to Harvard Med. I trained at Mass General and Brigham and Women's, yeah. and uh, I did my fellowship at Tufts. So all you know, standard training and whatnot coming up through. Um, I do have a really strong belief and commitment that. We in in medicine need, and actually we as citizens, yeah. just as as human beings, as neighbors and friends and whatnot, we really need to be putting out there uh, what's best for patients and the public, and in my case, pregnant women, and um, and working hard on their behalf and trying to get the right answers for people and get the information that's out there um, to, to lead to healthier, happier moms, babies, and communities. And what, wherever that takes you, I think we need people, you know, speaking out on this stuff. And um, I've been doing that for much of my career uh, with, you know, with the, the intent of trying to, as I said, inform and protect. Um, pregnant moms and babies uh, and, and the public. I think people overall, you know, know that my heart's in the right place on this stuff. Mm -hmm. There's been con controversies, you know, I've been associated with, with a variety of different medications and other yeah. things in pregnancy, but I think people know that at the end of the day, you know, the whole idea of this is to provide good, compassionate care um, uh, for, for moms and babies. And I, I do try to, when I start talking about this in particular with antidepressants, mm -hmm. I do like to lead and let people know that uh, depression depression and mental suffering it's awful it's an awful condition for people to struggle with and um, it, it's it's really important that those 
people, those patients get treated with compassion Mm -hmm. and that they're not made to feel bad or feel guilty or badgered. That's not at all what my message is about when I warn or when I want to inform about medication effects. It's not about pill shaming or making people feel guilty or badgering them. It's none of that. What it is is compassionate care, having compassion for someone who's suffering and taking care of your community and your neighbors. It's all about informing them. And part of compassionate care is letting people know the risks, the benefits, and the alternatives to any intervention that they're going to do. That's part of compassionate care. Uh, and, And in this particular case, women ask me all the time, my patients ask me, what are the effects of these medications in pregnancy? How do they affect the baby? And so you I, you need, I need, we need to get the right information out there about that. And so I think that um, to circle back to yeah. your original question, I think that's always been my goal. And, you know, being um, encouraged, my, my family, my parents encouraged me, my mom and dad, God bless them, encouraged me to speak my mind yeah. on things and, uh, and always stand up strong for patients and the public. And, um, and I, I think we need more of that. Have you, I mean, and I agree with you. And I think that, so it's, it is a little, hard that you're, you know, I, I, I've on this, you know, it's like even like Dr. McPhillin or I'll bring in other, I've had on cardiologists that are kind of asking some better questions and just different healthcare professionals. However, it is still rare. I was thinking about it as I was getting ready. I'm like, you know, if I walked into your office or if my, my wife needed to walk into your office and she's going to have hopefully a, a thoughtful, uh, open discussion on risks and benefits. And ultimately she's as, as, as the mom or as the patient, she's going to make the decision that's best for her, right. Based on that informed consent and, and the best knowledge that we have there. Um, but, but it, but it, and, and although that sounds like an idealistic, uh, or, you know, or maybe shouldn't be idealistic, it should just be the norm. Uh, it often is, it is rare. And so I do appreciate that you, that you do that. I think people, again, have, have woken up to some things, and this has been a, a, a wild few years. Before I move on to some actual questions, just curious, have you, are you well supported by your, um, by your, you know, your industry and, on, and your hospital and things? Is that not fine? You guys, good, good, good standings, and is it, enjoy the workspace, or do they, are you the black sheep in the, in the office meetings, or? <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, here no, comes Dr. Think, Adam. Here comes Adam. No, He's gonna... I think, you know, I've been active in this community for so long. I mean, I've been taking care of pregnant women in this community for like, I think it's been 20 years. So some of the original moms I took care of, I, you know, I see their 20 year old mm, having babies now. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I've been active here, and I think people just know from that that, uh, as I was saying earlier, that you know my heart's in the right place, and I'm not trying to to you know get confrontation or whatnot, mm-hmm. or, or not bad confrontation, confrontation, you know where yeah. it's where it's needed. Um, and I think that uh, yeah, no, I'm accepted by the hospital and the referring doctors in my community. Um, most of them, many of them, have been referring to me for years and years, mm-hmm. and I think they respect you know how I go about this. I just wanted to say along these lines, I thought your point was very good, which is that what this is about is informing patients, giving them compassionate care, and then supporting the decisions that they make. Mental health is challenging, mm-hmm. and the whole issue about um, about medications and pregnancy, yeah. uh, certainly for depression, but even for other conditions, is challenging. And so you try to get them the information, and then support them in what they do. And uh, I think that that's taking that approach, uh, I think is, um, 
has been supported by my referring docs and the people in the community as opposed to, you know, nobody, I'm not out there trying to shame people or attack them and just, it's not my style and I don't think it's good care of the patient. Well, that being said, and I agree, and that being said, uh, we're going to dive in and this is, and I think you've laid it out well, this episode, and although there's times we have some pretty intense episodes and intense guests and we're not afraid to have those those crucial conversations and uh again this is for some people this can be a triggering type of stuff because we've either learned things and go man i didn't know that and now you learn that i'm sure you've had patients over the years and they've this is baby number three and they've done things in the past and they regret and or, or they learn more and so that's not what this show is about however we do need to bring these conversations to light um so we can make better choices and help our next generation and, and help and support our moms and babies you know, so as I was thinking about this, you know, and I bet a lot of people ask the first one and, uh, you know, you always, as one launching pad doc is, um, you know, I remember thalidomide. I don't remember thalidomide. I remember learning about thalidomide, right? Um, I think is one of the classic examples maybe where, whoa, we learned, you know, some, some sort of, you know, we started to see what chemicals can do during birth or during pregnancy, Right. Um, and, and we learn, you know, and I mean, there's probably other ones before that, but that's the one that I remember. Cause I still see some of those, you know, I've seen those, that generation as, as you have. Um, so will you give us your, maybe your, your treatise on just chemically as we build this foundation, just cause you've articulate this well on, on understanding these are chemicals and chemicals have effects. And when we're taking chemicals there, there's likely going to be effects on mom and baby. That's just reality. So will you lay a little bit of a baseline and then we'll jump into some of the specifics of antidepressants and antibiotics and nausea medications and uh, the McKenna drugs, things like that. Sure. Absolutely. The quick take home point I try to make to people is basically seven words. I think it's seven medications are chemicals and chemicals have consequences. And what that means is that the medications that we take typically, they're not growing on trees. They're not (laughs) crops. They're not natural. The medications that we take, and this is true for medications in pregnancy, but also, you know, any medications that children or adults are using, you just mentioned antibiotics, anti-nausea drugs. These are made in chemical manufacturing facilities. Uh, They're made in chemical plants and they come out of those chemical plants and then they go in, they get packaged, whatever, and then they're put into us, humans. When they go into us, they have consequences for biologic systems because synthetic chemicals haven't, what I mean by chemicals as I'm referring to synthetic chemicals, some people have responded to some of my tweets or things and said, well, water's a chemical. Is that a consequence? Like, you know, we we, we know that that's a chemical, but I'm referring to chemical in in the generally accepted term, like when someone says, oh, there's a chemical spill somewhere, you expect that it's a a synthetic chemical. You don't expect to find water there. (laughs) So synthetic chemicals haven't been uh, part of uh, human or mammalian development for millions and millions of years. So these are foreign to the body. These are synthetic chemicals compounds, when they go into the body um, for anybody, they're going to have chemical effects. And the only question is like how much, how strong and how bad they're going to be. When they go into a a pregnant mom in particular, virtually all of them cross over the placenta and enter into the fetus. There are some that don't if they're particularly large proteins, for example, like insulin, some other larger heparin, some of these other ones that are large enough don't appear to cross the placenta. But most of your pharmaceuticals, most of these synthetic chemicals uh, go into the moms, they go into the babies, uh, and then they have consequences. 
And um, I try to tell people as a, you know, as a way of thinking about this, it's like there's a reason that the pharmaceutical industry doesn't show the chemical plants Mm -hmm. on their commercials. So almost every other product that's trying to get you to put something in your body, like orange juice or whatever, (laughs) they want to show you where it's coming from. Right. 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 The guy's cleaning. Yeah. Picking the tree, picking it off the tree, you know, you got it. You got a nice sunny cornfield or a nice sunny orange grove. You're getting it right off the tree. It's fresh orange juice. Why aren't we seeing where these, medications are coming from because they're coming from chemical manufacturing facilities where the people are dressed in those big white outfits with the hoods and the masks and they're making chemicals. And so people need to be aware of that. This doesn't mean, by the way, that you can never take a medication. This isn't uh, nihilism. This isn't, oh, no one can ever take a medication at any time. It just means that you got to remember with any medication you take, it's going to go into you and it's going to have wide, typically widespread chemical effects. When people take some of these medications, for example, like you got a sore knee and people will take Motrin, ibuprofen and, and think like, okay, it's going to address my knee pain, but that's not what it does. Right, right. It doesn't just go to your knee. It's going all over your, your system and basically affecting all the cells in your body, you know, going up into your brain and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and people were surprised recently because there was an association with one of the heartburn drugs mm. with dementia and other psychiatric effects. And we see a lot of drugs have psychiatric effects because they're not just staying in the gut or going to the knee, as I said, but they're going all over the body, in particular into the brain and can have, you know, brain effects. And so it's really important to, for people to keep that in mind, that medications are chemicals and chemicals have consequences. When we, go ahead, Ben. Well, well, no, yeah. Well, just the thought on this, I think as we're listening now, maybe we have an audience that's, I don't want to say friendlier that idea, but maybe they're just a little more naturally minded. So they go, okay, but, but but here's what we've done a good job in these last several decades of just, you know, direct-to-consumer advertising of drugs. And like you said, all the com- commercials are beautiful. And we just haven't, we've just largely ignored whether it was intentional or or, or done by the industry. We didn't want to ever talk about the, the bad. We didn't want to talk about the side effects. We don't want to talk about, I don't even like the term side effects. They're just effects. They're all the other effects of the drug. The drug might have one thing that we're trying to do and then 10 or 200 other things that we don't necessarily want to do. And so just being honest about that, I think is an important start. I'm not denying a person's pain. I'm not denying their struggle. I'm not denying their depression or anxiety or their nausea or anything. But I, I think as, as just prudent healthcare providers that, and, and even like you said, as citizens, we should somewhat, and I'm a believer in medical freedom, so whatever that, but ultimately you can choose. But I think most kind of logical people would want to go from, you know, conservative to most invasive. I mean, imagine, again, you work with high-risk pregnancies, so uh, largely, so, you know, it's a little different. You might have, you got complicated factors, a young, healthy mom with no underlying health issues, right? They're, Mm -hmm. they're, options for them are a little wider open because, you know, by, outside of some just medical emergency, they're likely going to have a wonderful outcome. Right. Um, and so we're not going to go in there and do a, you know, hey, let's just have an elective C-section for fun today. That's a major surgery. Right. And I'm not meaning to overstep into that territory, but I just think generally speaking, we want to do the least invasive to the most. So if people know, oh, my gosh, I didn't know, for example, that this drug for my nausea could lead to whatever, right? Uh, yep. Really, like, like if I never knew that and all I knew is, oh, I hate my nausea and I want to feel better and this drug might help that, 
then I'll sure, I guess, give me the drug. Okay. So how, so I guess, but then doc, I think people ask this question. Well, then how the heck does this stuff even end up on the market? How in the heck do these drugs, you were pretty outspoken about that. Am I saying right? The McKenna drug or McKenna? You know, like it's like, you know, you were very, again, just logical. I don't think you were saying anything crazy. You were like, this thing should probably never been on the market and been, should have been pulled years ago. I'm glad it's getting pulled, but it should never have existed. How do these things even make it to market? Yeah, that 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 yeah. story in particular, I, I I was I was fighting that battle for for uh, for like the last decade um, uh, against McKenna, which was a it's a synthetic hormone that's given to pregnant women to try to prevent preterm birth. But as you just pointed out, Ben, it did it actually didn't, and uh, it didn't, and uh, eventually we just, we we realized that. I try to teach people with that or lecture on it or talk about it because if you step back and you look, what we did with McKenna is we injected a pregnant women with a synthetic hormone for the last 20 years, basically from 2003 to, to uh, 2023, it was just pulled off the market in April. We injected pregnant women for two decades with a synthetic hormone that didn't work. It didn't help them, didn't help them in their baby. And there's downsides, there's harms and there's potential long-term effects. And so you really got to step back from that and say, geez, how did that happen? Uh, I, I thought you raised a couple of really good yeah. points though in your question, which is one, it's like, this is not about denying patients nausea or denying their depression or denying the, the, the difficulty they had with a prior preterm birth in the case of McKenna. That tends to be how people will sometimes try to spin a counter argument, but it's none of that. We're not denying any of that. It's just all about getting the information out to people. And I agree with you what you'd said about trying to always move from most conservative, most cautious to more invasive or more, yeah. more or, or over, you know, with our, with our interventions and to try to start off with things that aren't going to have chemical exposures. You also raised an important issue about this quest, this issue about faith. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think a lot of people want to know, and I see this every day, pregnant women are asking me every day in my office, um, is this drug safe? Is this safe? What's safe to take for nausea? What, is this mm-hmm. safe? Is this not safe? And it's really, that's, it's just not the right model. I understand why they're asking, but yeah, okay. it's a chemical, it's a chemical exposure. So the, the question is, is what are the effects? As you were saying mm-hmm. earlier, this whole idea of some things being, well, they're safe. I think, I think that, one, it's just people try to take a common sense approach, like it doesn't look like thalidomide. But the mm-hmm. second thing is, is I think that the, the pharmaceutical industry is the the 600-pound gorilla in the uh, in the room, which is that they, they, they have so much money and they have so much influence that they're able to really shape the public discussion on a lot of these things. And they're able to shape the public discussion away from uh, away from concerns about uh, side effects, concerns about effects, and, and, and direct it more towards, uh, you know, the things that are in their commercials, people uh, running on the beach and balloons and rainbows and all yeah. this stuff to take your eye off the ball of the, the chemical exposure uh, that, you, that you're, you're, you're uh, undergoing by taking a medication and the chemical effects from that. And so I think that there needs to be a, a sort of the public needs to be aware of this that this is not happening by accident, uh, that people aren't focusing on effects of these drugs or side effects or downsides. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry um, has a huge uh, has a huge incentive because by not focusing on those effects, it increases sales and profits. Mm-hmm. Well, and okay, so let's go into, you know, but you're, you, you know, and I, I want to move 
on from the McKenna, but, but just as you're, like you said, using it as a backdrop for the listeners, think about this guys. We had a drug on the market for 20 plus years being injected into hundreds of thousands, I suppose millions over that amount of time, women, um, that, that for all intents and purposes, didn't, didn't do what they said or, or hoped it would do and, and did have yeah. negative side effects. And so, and by the way, that's by the industries that we're supposed to um, trust. And I do say to my patients sometimes or whatever, anybody, I just say, Hey, I wish we weren't in this. It would be great if we didn't have to second guess everything that came out of the FDA and the CDC or whoever the three letter yeah. agencies are, but we're living in a time where you, you really do have to be an advocate. I need be, that's why I'm have you on, or, or I'm glad you came on. Cause I need a, I need patients to know there's people like you out there. And if they lived in, if they lived up there and you were their guy, you'd be having this conversation. But if they don't get to have that, then we, you got to get yourself a little bit informed and, and it's worth it. You know, you're the parent, you know, you do need to do a little bit of your due diligence. That's just good, good citizenship. So a lot of people do ask me and to in this conversation, and it's a one that's near in my heart because of just family histories of different things. And so SSRIs, antidepressants, um, uh, in my opinion, unfortunately, a a lot of people are on them. I read a study, I think it was from you, Doc, that um, 8.8%, not from you, but I saw you reference it, 8.8 breastfeeding moms are on antidepressants. I think I saw, which actually shocked me. Um, Yeah, that's right. So this is a real, this a real number. There's a lot of, and women tend to be uh, on these medications uh, in their, you know, their uh, childbearing years more often. And we're just seeing anxiety and depression. Things go through the roof just culturally. So more and more women are taking them, but then you see these things come up in the popular press. I see things related to uh, pre, you know, preterm. I see things related to um, it going through breast milk. I see things like um, autism comes up and things like this. So we got to talk about this. So where do you want to start with SSRIs and pregnant breastfeeding moms? So the, I'll, I'll give you the sort of blurb yeah. on it, um, the, the, or, or the, the, the take well, more, more than the take home, but the, the, the way to think about this, and I tell patients, is the way to sort of make it very basic so people can understand. Again, starting from the top, that depression is, uh, is a, a, an awful condition to struggle with, and that any discussion about this isn't to diminish people's you know, suffering or diminish yeah. depression. It's to focus on the, the effects of the medication. Um, and part of, again, part of compassion passionate care is talking about the, the, the risks uh, of the interventions. So what are the risks of the SSRIs? So for pregnancy, serotonin, that molecule serotonin is a crucial neurotransmitter and cell signaling molecule. It plays a crucial role in the development of a baby right from the get-go during the embryonic period up to 10 weeks and then the fetal period from 10 weeks until delivery. So serotonin is a crucial neurotransmitter. It's a crucial cell signaling molecule. It helps to wire the baby's brain. It helps to form the baby. So doc, so when you were back step- in the day, back in the day, or I say back in the, you know, when you're in college and you're getting your degree in this, I mean, all your, a lot of your research on, on serotonin was how it critical it is brain development and fetal, like, right. Like the, you know, that's, it's a nat to our bird of natural chemicals. That's what our body makes. It's important. Like you just described. So from, you know, until we started manipulating it or blocking it or, re, you know, the reuptake inhibitors, I, I'm just, I want our listeners to kind of contrast Sometimes these words, we just kind of get blocked over, you know, but like serotonin is good. Even like, it's like cholesterol, the famous study we were talking about offline here a little bit earlier where you're from in Framingham, or we talked about, you know, this famous cholesterol study, like cholesterol is 
good in the sense that your body makes it. It's important for function. It's important for cellular function. So sometimes these words get kind of hijacked by culture or medical even, and they become, uh, you know, demonized. And so serotonin is good, right? Um, It's critical. So I didn't mean to necessarily interrupt there, but uh, I was just curious. So when you were learning about, like, you know that normal child development, we need this in the body at good, safe levels. No, that, that's right. You're exactly right. And, and, and I think it's important to point out to your listeners, Ben, that what I'm about to say or what I'm saying, there's basically general scientific agreement on this. Mm. This is this sort of basic model that I lay out. There's general scientific agreement on this. Everybody, if you talk to scientists, doctors, embryologists, people that study fetal development, they're going to tell you serotonin plays a crucial role in a baby's development. That's not, that's not up to <laughs> argument. That, that's just as you said, it's a crucial molecule. Okay. The second step in the argument is, okay, so number one, we've established serotonin's crucial. The second step in the argument is we know the SSRIs interfere with the serotonin system. So, if you just think about those two things now, you've got like a, an equation. Step one is we know serotonin plays a crucial role in a baby's development. Step two is we know that the SSRIs disrupt the serotonin system. So the obvious conclusion from that, just from a common sense approach here, is that the SSRIs are going to disrupt fetal development in some way, that they're going to have a chemical effect. They must have a chemical effect on fetal development because chemical have consequences, <laughs> as I said earlier, right? And so then when we, so we can say that just theoretically, and then we say, okay, that's probably what we think is going to happen, just reasoning it out. And again, this is, this is, this is consensus scientific agreement on this. That's not controversial, what I said with that. Yeah. Then you study it in the lab and Different people have models of looking at the effect of these SSRIs on neurons, for example. Johns Hopkins put out a study a couple of years back where they had like a neuron model. And you can see in their study that the SSRIs, I believe they use paroxetine or Paxil, affect the development of that neuron, the branching uh, of the, the, the neurites, what they call them, the extensions off the neuron. Neurons need to be able to extend out their arms, their branches, to be able to wire the brain basically and you can see that neurons that are exposed to these things look different than unexposed they look um, truncated it looks completely different to the unexposed so we know um, that they have a basic science effect so then taking one step further you look at the animal data so so far we've walked through the common sense model says that these are going to have an effect on fetal development that's step one step two is the basic science data which shows from the johns hopkins studies and others that these medications the ssris have an effect on the brain cells step three the next step is look at animal models and numerous numerous animal studies have been done and when you exposed pregnant animals to these medications, you get fetal effects or you get developmental effects. You can see pregnancy loss with them. You can see other alterations. And then in the offspring, you can see problems or differences between the exposed and the unexposed. They, some of the studies have shown autistic-like behavior in the mice that were exposed to SSRIs during development. They have different like fear responses. They have different mating. They show different like courage or being able to figure out puzzles and mazes and things. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, you know, it can definitely affect the brain. So 
we look at that, then the final step is you look at human studies. And then what do we see in the human studies? So it's a little bit more difficult to study human populations because there's other factors involved and there's no randomized controlled trial. But the human data from my reading of it is pretty good for showing, is, is pretty consistent on showing links to things like preterm birth, as you mentioned, um, I think birth defects, depending on the study that you look at, miscarriage, mm. low birth, low birth weight, uh, a couple of problems uh, for the mom, which are hypertensive diseases of pregnancy like preeclampsia, mm. and then postpartum hemorrhage is increased. And again, this is not scientifically controversial what I'm talking about. Some of the, 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 those exact effects, there's some argument about, but the, the postpartum hemorrhage now is on the FDA label. The FDA just recently, within the last couple of months, changed the label on SSRIs to highlight the risk of postpartum hemorrhage now. Because again, we know that chemicals have chemical effects. Serotonin plays a crucial role for platelets with blood clotting. Mm. This disrupts that and can increase rates of bleeding. The big thing that we see, though, is, is and the big question I typically get asked is yeah. about effects on the fetal brain. And any rapidly developing biologic system is going to be particularly sen uh, sensitive or susceptible to chemical effects. And so you've got these chemicals basically pouring across the placenta into the baby, into the developing brain. And we can see now uh, that these effects, because more and more MRI studies are being done, that actually look at the MRI, at the functional connectivity of the brain. And there's at least 10, by my count, 10 studies now showing MRI effects uh, that are different between babies that were exposed in utero to SSRIs or not. Um, and we see actually when they first come out, the biggest difference you see in the SSRI exposed versus unexposed is immediately in the newborn period. The SSRI exposed babies have a much higher rate of something called poor neonatal adaptation. Some people call it newborn behavioral syndrome or neonatal withdrawal syndrome. This means those babies come out and initially they have trouble getting started. They might have trouble feeding. They may mm. be jittery. They may have uh, trouble with crying. Um, in worst case, seizures, difficulty breathing. Mm. So, so this is the um, this is the neonatal uh, neonatal withdrawal syndrome or newborn behavioral syndrome, and um, and so that we see significantly different with SSRIs and then these MRI effects. Just to wrap this up, I know I've been talking yeah, at length about good. this, but the, the last part about the MRI stuff is that in JAMA Psychiatry, uh, they recently, a paper just came out that I tweeted about where they did MRI follow-up on a, babies that had been exposed and they looked at them at age seven and then again at age 15. Mm -hmm. And they showed less gray matter volume in the brains on MMR, on MRI for the exposed um, for the exposed uh, kids kids that were exposed in utero, and so these kind of findings are very you know very concerning and and show clearly again this that there are chemical effects to these medications when used in pregnancy. So, uh, so thank you for walking us yeah. through that 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 
somewhat complicated, but 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 anybody really, I think, can follow what's happening there. We, you know, sometimes I think that healthcare is is often tried tried to be made complicated, so we feel like, oh, I couldn't possibly understand it, so I just have to hand my health agency over to some other doctor that knows more than me. I don't believe that to be true. I think we can understand these things. I have a couple of all a couple of comments Absolutely. that I will Absolutely. maybe make, so I won't make you say them, so they'll come out of my mouth. But when I listen to this, you guys. And again, we're walking a line here. There's nobody that's listening to this that doesn't either know somebody or bend themselves on these on different medications. And so this isn't shaming, but we need to be able to understand the criticalness of what was just described here. And we need to be doing, I will say this, I think that we would, knowing what we now know, we would want to do anything we can to reduce. So if I got up on a corner and I said, hey, we should do anything we can to reduce chemical exposure in you know, in, uh, you know, babies in utero, uh, I think everybody would say, well, yeah, of course we should, Dr. Ben or, you know, Dr. Adam. Yes, of course. Yep. And then we say, yep. oh, by the way, that means Prozac. And then somebody goes, hey, okay, now you're starting to hurt my feelings. And, and again, um, that's not the point of this, but this is why we need to have this. This is why we have to have a little bit of a longer conversation because we got to talk through it. That being said, these are serious implications. And if you think you were stressed before, now having a child that's not thriving, now having you know these other issues that could be lifetime-related issues, well, that's not a walk in the park either. And honestly, when you go to some of the effects of some of these medications, and I know that's what partly on Dr. McFillin's show, but you know, it isn't these these SSRIs don't even work that great to start with. And I'll say that you don't have to. So it isn't like it's just a walk in the park. These moms get on this antidepressant and everything's glorious again. Okay. A lot of times yeah. I meet these women, they get put on these things in high school or younger, and then they get addicted in a sense, their bodies physiologically do, and they want off, but they, they're having a hard time getting off. And now they want babies. And it's just this, this tough cycle. So the sooner people can come be, become aware of this, the better doc, am I rec- am I remembering this, right? I think there was a study that you, that you mentioned where I think they compared the, the physiological effects of five different uh, chemicals, uh, SSRs being one of them, but things like a nicotine was in there and opioids or something like this. And the, the one that had the most dramatic defect was SSRIs. Am I, am I right on that? Yeah, no, that's That's correct. That's exactly right. So yeah, think that about that, was, right? Everybody, everybody knows not to, back. nobody smokes two packs. Well, some people, but you know, no doctor says it's weird to Hey, Hey, you know, if you could try not to smoke cigarettes, that'd be a good idea. And the mom goes, Oh, but when I smoke the cigarettes, I really feel good. And it helps me. You'd still say, yeah, but it's bad for the baby. So, but socially it's a little more acceptable, right? It's to say that, but uh, yeah. you know, SSRIs are not, but I'm using that as a comparison for a person to see that these things can have that, you know, everybody says, oh, well, smoking's bad. Well, yeah, of course, don't low birth weight and outcomes for babies and things like that, and let alone mom. So, so that is, it, 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 I, am I right on that? Is there anything you want to clarify on that? And then I want to ask you another question about something else. No, I think, Ben, I think you're bringing up a super important point here, which is my basically one of the big take-homes, my take-home message, which is we need to understand these drugs as chemical exposures. Uh, I thought your example was brilliant about if you stood up and said, look, we really we don't want to have chemical exposures for pregnant women and babies while they're developing. You know, everybody gets behind <laughs> that message, but people don't connect that the medications are chemical exposures exposures. And I think that that study, and the reason I I tweeted out on that and posted that is I think it makes that point hit home is that what they were looking at were the SSRI, the effect of SSRI antidepressants in pregnancy 
along with five other drugs. It was nicotine, alcohol, opioids, marijuana, and cocaine. Okay. And then asking the question with MRI studies, like which ones had the biggest effect? And it was the SSRIs that had the biggest impact on the fetal brain. And so I think what you said is exactly right, is that we need to see these things and understand these things as a chemical exposure. Absolutely. Well, so so then here's what's happening. Okay, so mamas are having these babies and uh, any of us that have been a parent – New baby, new baby life is, is an, an adjustment for all of us from all the things from sleeping to stress to finances to, and that's even on a, on a good outcome pregnancy, right? Um, sure. So then you hear a lot about uh, PPD and I see it a lot in, in my office just because sometimes we're just helping moms get their bodies feeling better and then they're struggling and, and all these things. So, but there was a disturbing thing that happened with a new drug that just got approved. And I think I, when I heard you describe this, this is just the, the humanity that you touched on was so important. So, Doc, tell us about this new drug they've approved for postpartum depression and why it was a concern because of the black box warning on there. Yeah, this is this was uh, has just come up because it was just recently approved, and um, they approved Zerzave, I believe is the pronunciation of it. They just uh, had approved this, um, the FDA. But as part of the approval, uh, the FDA uh, has uh, control over the label, and they put a black box warning on the label. But what that black box warning cautions about is it it cautions about driving impairment uh, due to the drug's central nervous system or brain depressant effects. And and it tells doctors to advise their patients not to drive uh, for at least 12 hours after administration. Mm -hmm. And then it's very concerning because then the next sentence says patients may not be able to assess their own driving competence or the degree of impairment. They, they're impaired, but they can't assess it themselves, the degree of impairment caused by Zerzave. So it's focusing, I mean, on driving. But, yeah, I, mean, I think the are, obvious question's coming here. Yeah, These are new moms, so what about baby care? <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, right? right? There's, that's very concerning that we're giving mom a drug and, you know, not warning, we're warning about driving, but we're not warning about baby care, which is, you know, the important thing that's going on during this time period. And the fact that the moms are going to be impaired for up to 12 hours and not realize that they're impaired with it. Um, I think your point was good though, about, you know, you've got to have compassion for patients suffering with this. The postpartum period is very challenging with, particularly lack of sleep, sleep deprivation, anxiety about finances, anxiety about relationships, yeah. and then the families get involved, the in-laws visiting, and yeah. this sort of thing. It's like very challenging time period. Um, and so your heart goes out and, and women can get you know significant mood changes during that time. So it's important to take this seriously. Um, but it's also important to recognize that, uh, you know, what the, what the effects of these drugs are. And, um, I found that when I, when I saw that black box warning, it's, you know, it's really concerning that we've got a big black box warning on this. That's, uh, that's saying it's going to impair women for up to 12 hours and they won't realize that they're impaired, mm. you know, after they've just had a baby. So I want, I got one other question about a drug and then I want to end the show with a, um, just kind of a, 
um, some, I would just call it some hope system. I'm not going to ask you to doctor over the airwaves doc, but just some perspectives on maybe some, some general principles that you've seen uh, to give us some perspective. Cause you do see some of the worst of the worst, just being on a high risk scenario. Right. And, um, you know, you, sure. you, I mean, you've been in this for a long time, so you've, you've seen trends, you've seen things that work that don't work. But my last question, medication wise, um, what's your thoughts on some concerns we, or some things we need to be aware of regarding, um, antibiotic use and if you're comfortable saying uh, uh, about even in, in infants because I know that the research I've seen is there are concerns even on infants taking uh, you know first year use of antibiotics have concerns too if you don't want to touch that one don't but in utero use for antibiotics what are some of the concerns that you would want us, our listeners to be aware of yeah I, I again the the same thing I've been saying with the antidepressants uh, and other medications it can also be applied the same reason to the antibiotics. It's a, it's a chemical exposure. And so we do see uh, links with some of them to birth defects as well as to other pregnancy complications. And that's a, um, and that's a significant concern because when you look at drugs that uh, medications that pregnant women are exposed to, that's high up um, along with the antidepress antidepressants and anti-nausea medications. Um, these, these drugs are commonly used during pregnancy. So again, sometimes when I talk about this or I lecture on it, people will say, well, what you, what you want is the woman to have an overwhelming infection and die. Yeah, that, right. That's always the extreme, not the extreme, but right, basically. So you're saying suffer and die. I mean, that's about right. right. It's like, well, no. Yeah. So yeah. What do you say to that? No, that's exactly right. And that's the argument people make and use on a lot of these things. And again, that's not the point of this is to tell women that they can't treat infections um, is not the, the point of that, but it's to be prudent about, you know, what is the infection? Yeah, yeah. Um, what is the, what is the evidence of the infection? Is it just some urinary symptoms or is it actually a urine culture that's showing that there's a bacteria right, right. there causing an infection? Is there a fever? Is there other, you know, evidence of uh, signs of infection? And so trying to, and be prudent, Again, as you had, as you had mentioned earlier, Ben, about trying to be uh, prudent yeah. with interventions and not use it where you don't need it, but still, you know, treat the patient uh, that, that does need it. Um, and I think patients really do need to be cautious. In pregnancy, it's like it's. It, we've been talking a lot about antidepressants, but in pregnancy, there's numerous exposures that patients have, including antibiotics, including the anti-nausea medications early uh, in pregnancy, or even sometimes later in pregnancy, um, and then a lot of the sort of symptomatic things, the heartburn medications. Mm -hmm. We have patients who will come in. And, um, and, you know, they'll be on an antidepressant and then they'll get an infection. So they're put on an antibiotic and they're having some nausea. So they'll be on an anti-nausea drug, some heartburn along with the nausea. So now they've got a heartburn med. Yeah. Um, they and may a, have asthma. Yeah, a Tylenol with their headache or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And we have no idea really what the effects, even of one of these often is, never mind the sort of um, combination effects that you can get from, from having so many, so many chemicals and chemical you know, interactions. And uh -huh. so, again, the message is not, for the mess, my message is not pre pregnant women should suffer mm -hmm. and never be treated for anything. It's just that's not where I come from. My, you know, my compassionate care. I take care of people in my hometown, in my community. Like, if I'm not, not treated, Treating them well with yeah. compassion, treating them well, I'll be like run out of You're going to see them at the grocery store in the soccer field. You got to come on. <laughs> that's exact. That's exactly right. I do. I see them at the grocery store. I see them at the, I see them at the donut shop, the coffee shop. You don't want to have to time. turn your grocery cart around and, and head out. You know, you want to be able to walk by and give them a hug. Exactly. No, that's right. 
So I treat them well. I treat them with compassion. But part of that, again, that compassionate care is counseling on this stuff and for people to recognize that, like, um, these are chemicals. These medications, whether it's for heartburn, for nausea, depression, antibiotics, these are chemicals, and they're going to have chemical effects. So where you can, you want to limit those chemical exposures. Again, to go back to what you said, Ben, if you went out in the street corner and said, I'm all in favor of women limiting chemical exposures during their pregnancies so there's fewer chemicals going into moms and babies, everyone would agree to that. Round of applause. Everyone would agree. I saw, I remember when I was back in school, I was driving down the interstate and I saw this billboard and it said, um, and I think you'll appreciate this and with the, with your work that you do. And it was this bill, big billboard. And it said, it's the first part said, it said, it said the cure for fetal alcohol syndrome. That's what it said. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay. What's going on here? And then it was just a, it was one of those no smoking kind of signals, you know, with a no smoking it was like the no martini glass. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, it's an obvious statement here, but they were just, it, cause sometimes we, we fall into this. And so we could, we could, you know, 100% get rid of fetal alcohol syndrome if there was not alcohol in pregnancy. Right. And I'm not That's oversimplifying right. this, but I'm using that as the point to say, Hey, any, any effort we can put towards re- reducing chemical exposure, at least the known ones. I mean, there's still things that happen in our environment we don't realize and things we're going to realize in 10 years from now that our furniture was doing and the paint in our bedrooms and all sorts of things that happen. But anything we can do to limit that is a good idea, which is why my, you know, my two cents on that is, is why I always encourage people from a holistic world that that can be so beneficial because people can go, oh, I didn't know there was natural things for infections. I didn't know there was natural things for, you know, my fever. I didn't know there was natural things for my pain. And so, so that's why I always encourage my listeners. And I just look at that, like you said, from a, that's a conservative approach to a more invasive approach. The last thing I guess I would ask doc is you kind of, we, we wind down. I know you're going to go pick your son up and have a great weekend. Um, <laughs> but what, so is there some things that you've seen that you could say in general are helpful? And what I mean by that is moms that have a, a postpartum doula, you know, do, are you a doula supporter? Do you like, or is there some just principles that you could share with us? Hey, pay attention to your nutrition moms. Um, and now I know some of this isn't available to certain people, socioeconomics matter, uh, perspective matters and, and things like that. But is there just some encouragement that you could say, or maybe a story or, or just encouragement for mamas to say, Hey, I, I hear you. Cause you take care of, you know, you've taken care of tens of thousands of them in your career. What are some basic things to keep in mind, maybe uh, to care for themselves that you would want to kind of leave us with to give some hope here? Yeah, I think that uh, it's a good question. And I try to get patients to focus on the basics. Um, I I actually do have hope in this area and I'm going to, I'll wrap up with that, but I I do have hope in this area. Um, I think getting moms and families to try to focus on the basics, which are things like the, you know, to have a healthy pregnancy. So to try to make sure that you're, you're following a good diet, uh, nothing in particularly special, except, you know, avoiding the, the concentrated sweets, the mm-hmm. processed, the heavily processed foods, the saturated fats, avoiding too many, too many, um, uh, snacks and goodies, the stuff that we're inundated with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so trying to, uh, to follow a healthy diet, eat as much natural or whole food as you can, uh, e- eating, you know, the things that, that, that most of us are taught are good for us. Yeah. And then yeah. ec- exercise, or activity, trying to stay active um, to the extent that women can during pregnancy, uh, stay active. I usually encourage my patients to try to, to, to walk, um, to, to keep, their body, keep their bodies moving. 
uh, which is you really can see that particularly with the gestational diabetes. Mm. Uh, the patients notice a real difference as they're following their sugars when they're more active, when they're walking after meals, for example. So trying to encourage people to, um, to, to, to be active. And then um, sleep. Sleep can be difficult, but to try to you know, optimize that to the extent that pregnant women can. And then relationships, trying to um, you know, be aware of those things, in particular the relationships during the pregnancy, but then also be, being aware or ready for how things change after delivery during that important, uh, important postpartum period. And then the, the area that I really have hope for is, is I do encourage them to, to have a healthy skepticism about the information mm. that they're getting, um, you know, particularly in mass media and particularly sort of in, from corporate media about things to do in pregnancy. I really encourage my patients to like think through um, treatment by treatment or exposure by exposure or whatever is being recommended to them about whether or not it's been proven to be safe, to be effective and to benefit health and to have skepticism about that, a healthy skepticism. And I think I have hope in that area because I'm seeing more and more patients who are asking those kind of questions. And um, I think it's because more and more of us are getting the word out about these topics like mm -hmm. you and I are doing today. And, uh, and patients are becoming more aware of this. The fact that the sort of official messages uh, or sort of the conventional wisdom in medicine uh, is often um, a pharmaceutically uh, um, influenced. It's a corporate conventional wisdom, mm -hmm. and it's designed to direct patients and doctors towards uses of medications and other pharmaceuticals that are going to maximize profits for the drug companies and their shareholders, but not necessarily improve health. And I think the public is getting more and more aware of that. And so that does leave me with some hope because I think that people have often said, oh, the lack of trust that the public now has in the medical establishment yeah, is yeah. awful. The, the numbers are going through the roof. Nobody trusts, you know, the, the pronouncements anymore of the FDA, the CDC, these major groups. But I think that's actually a sign of hope because these, the public is understanding that many of these groups, most of these groups are, are, are tied in to the pharmaceutical industry and the device makers. And, um, and, and a lot of that advice that they're getting, what's kind of the conventional wisdom is not designed really to improve public health or personal health as much as it is to increase profits. So I think that's a sign of hope here is that the public is getting that um, again, through things like this, through this podcast and through us talking about it and talking to others about it, trying to spread the word so people understand how things work. And, and I just want to point out or finish yeah. with this is that it's not a, uh, that's not a conspiracy theory mm. and none of this is a hundred percent. There are good people that yeah. work at the FDA, good people that work at the CDC, good people that work in pharma, but in general, these bodies, which really that, that that's 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 CDC, that's FDA, that's the government, that's regulatory. Um, these bodies that re really should be working solely on behalf of patients and the public almost all of them now have significant ties to pharma and that really kind of corrupts their, their message and direction. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think the public knowledge about that is actually a, a sign of hope and, and, and moving us hopefully in a better direction. Amen. You know, um, doc, I was, I, you said something that get caught me. I, and I, you, know, you said uh, what, what we used to call, you know, conventional wisdom, you know, has now become corporate wisdom where they, you know, it's kind of been, passed down to us and we just don't even really think about it and because of that we have been 
Um, we've, we've taken some steps backwards in that opinion, but I think we are in a transitional season. People are waking up and really good old fashioned common sense. A lot of the information that I go over with my patients, sometimes I laugh about, cause I'm like, this is not, this is just kind of common sense here. This is just good old fashioned, healthy living. Um, and when you look at the, the work that you do when our show is called design to heal. And I think one of the things that's so, um, awesome about babies and the work you you get to do is you get to be very close to watching that in action every day, right? This natural process that God created that allows us to have babies, right? That allows women to yeah. procreate and a new a new living, breathing human. By and large, um, even though we try to do a good job of messing it up, keeps doing a pretty good job of making babies, and yeah. um, and and it's an amazing thing. And really, our job, as often I think as doctors, is to honestly not to so much fix everything; it's to stop messing it up, right? Remove the interferences, remove the the, the chemical in this instance of today's discussion, the chemical uh, you know occurrences that come in there. But doc, that being said, one thing that gives me hope is 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 doctors like you, um, and so. I, I, I know you're very humble and you, you don't like to take a lot of credit. You don't see yourself as, as a, you know, doing anything that extreme, but by just simply raising your head hand and, and, and standing up for, for moms and babies and educating them and going the extra mile and, you know, getting together on a Friday afternoon to have this conversation. Um, you are uh, unfortunately rare and unique and I'm thankful for you and the work that you do, my friend. And so, well, uh, I, I, yeah. I really appreciate your saying that. And uh, as I said earlier, I really appreciate your efforts to get the word out on this. No, I feel really, truly blessed by, you know, what I do. It's, uh, I, I love taking care of my community. And um, you'd asked me earlier about my interest in this area. Yeah. I'm looking at babies all day, every day, because I do ultrasound and pregnant right. women and seeing that and watching that development mm. um, is really, uh, it, it's a miracle. Um, it's, I don't mean yeah. to get too corny yeah, about this, I'm but it's you. a miracle. And, um, and, uh, and, and, it, and it does, you know, shape and color, uh, color my, my my feelings in this area but no i appreciate your your having me on and uh, and the opportunity Absolutely. to kind of get the word out on this we will do that have a wonderful day a wonderful weekend doc we'll stay in touch talk soon take care god bless if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe and if you want to support the show give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe to learn more about dr ben's work visit achievewellness.clinic